Welcome to Church Folks, the new podcast where we interview folks from our church community about who they are and what God is doing in their lives. I'm Zach Dunlap, pastor of Multisite at Birmingham and Berkeley First. Throughout the Bible, people are encouraged to bear witness to what they have seen and heard. Continuing in that tradition, this podcast offers a forum for people to get to know one another and be inspired. Our hope is that the stories of these church folks empower you to share your stories, to inspire others, and to be a part of beloved community together. I'm here today with my colleague and wonderful wife, Pastor Rachel Dunlap. Hey, Rach, good to Hello. be with you. It's good to be here today. What gets you up in the morning? Well, we have four children and two dogs. So most often it is either the puppy needing to go outside or the sound of small boys running and getting into trouble. <laughs> what do you love? Oh, gosh. I love a great many things. I love my family. I love coffee. I love doing ministry alongside you. I I love cookies and baking cookies for you, which you can hear the crunch in the background, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, Rachel literally came over to this interview with cookies and was like, hey, I made some cookies. So, I mean, I can't not eat a cookie. It's delicious. Yeah, I kind of picture myself when I'm old being like Mrs. Claus and just having fresh baked cookies filling the uh, house with amazing aromas. Rach, when have you felt closest to God? And conversely, when have you felt furthest from God? I think that I am closest to God when I am in nature staring at a river, flowing, hearing the sounds of birds and animals in the woods. Um, and also when the band in the middle of worship is just at that climactic point of just, you can tell they are worshiping, everybody in the church is worshiping, and just that moment where the words speak to your heart and you can't help but just be in awe of God. And then the opposite, when have I felt the furthest? I think, man, that's a little bit harder because I don't often dwell in that space of being separated from God. I don't often think about it because it's been so long since I became a Christian. Um, but I definitely remember what life was like before I became a Christian. And I think I've had moments where I have placed separation between myself and God. Um, and I think in those moments I felt distant, but I knew God wasn't distant, um, even though I felt distanced. Mm. Tell us a little bit about... Um your life before Jesus, um, the process of coming to know Jesus, and then your life um, with Jesus now, what's different? 
Okay, so as a kid, um, my family occasionally would go to church. And by my family, I meant and mean um, my mother and one of my little brothers. I was raised by a single parent until I was about eight or nine years old. And occasionally we would go to church. My mom thought that it would be good and right for us to get baptized. And occasionally we went to Sunday school uh, most often when she, I think, needed a break because she would sit in the car with a book and drop us off. And I have deep memories of walking up to churches by myself and finding my way to a, a Sunday school classroom um, on my own. And so a, a level of bravery of approaching a church um, grew from a very young age. It never was scary for me to try new churches or go to a church by myself when I was seeking and looking for um, answers uh, as a teenager. Um, I think that process of being involved with a church really I have to owe it to my friends and their parents just for that personal invitation that say, hey, we're going to this concert. Do you want to come with or we're going to this conference? Um, do you want to ride or hey, can I pick you up on Sunday? Are you doing anything and bringing me to church? Uh, even though it was completely out of their way to do that. Um, I think it was a draw because by the time I got my license when I was 16, uh, it was something that I deeply longed to do. I wanted to be able to drive to church on my own. And um, that just started to become a part of who I was. Um, I did accept Christ into my life and chose to believe that Jesus Everything that he said was real and true and right for my life. Um, when I was about 15 years old at a Billy Graham crusade, I realized it just it clicked. Everything that um, I had heard in church started to click. And what Billy Graham was preaching on, I don't even remember all of the exact words, but I remember the invitation saying, you know, you have to make this decision on your own. And this longing inside of me that I, I needed to, I needed to pray and just say, hey, God, I want to live my life for you. Whatever that meant, I fully did not realize at the time of uh, being 15 years old. Um, but I I knew that that's what I wanted. Um, and so I prayed a prayer just individually. Um, there was a, a counselor, a person that came up to me that said, hey, would you like to answer questions? And I, I didn't at that point. I was just like, no, why do I want to talk to you? I'm trying to talk <laughs> to God. Um, so I prayed to God and I just said, okay, I want to live my life for you. And as I was walking away from the stage at the Billy Graham crusade and back up the giant stairs of the Target Center in um, the Twin Cities where we were at towards my friends and the rest of the youth in our youth group, um, this weight, this giant weight literally felt like it was 
being removed from my shoulders, like this heaviness, this burden of doing life on my own was suddenly gone. And the relief that it brought actually brought me to tears. And I was kind of a tough kid. I didn't cry easy. Um, At least I didn't try to show my emotions easily as a kid. Um, And when that happened, I I just couldn't not cry. It, It was just a release and relief. The emotions came. And um, so I knew that something big had happened. Uh, And as time went on, my parents, my mom and my stepdad, um, they knew something had happened, too, because the way I treated them, the way I interacted with my friends and with others was different. They just knew something was different about me. And then now, I mean, Jesus is the person of God that I depend on and lean on most. Um, without the knowledge and grace of of Christ's love poured out, man, I definitely don't think I could do anything. <laughs> so I hear you talk about how, you know, you put your faith in Christ in this momentary experience, right? I think a lot of people maybe who grew up in the church um, don't have that experience. They can't name a particular time where they trusted Jesus for the first time. You do have that. Um, But of course, it's not just about that one experience. It's also kind of a lifetime of experiences, a lifetime of choices of, of growing into what God has in store. Definitely. Um, Becoming a Christian has been a process Uh, because I didn't grow up in the church. I had to learn what that meant. I had to learn that, you know, there were certain expectations um, and ways that you carry yourself as a Christian. So there's a journey that I kind of was on and am on. I liken it to watching the water flow on a river. And um, that was actually an image that my mom had given to me while I was in college, just this journey of life, this process. And it it really resonates with me in my journey of becoming a Christian and even today, where There are times in life that things are really tumultuous, like rapids in a river where things can be unexpected and you just kind of go with the flow. Um, And with Christ by your side, you're able to get through it. You're able to navigate. Um, And sometimes there are major things that you are trying to plan for and you just cannot even imagine what they're going to be because it's around the river bend. Um, And comparing that to my journey in becoming a a Christian, you know, as a young Christian, I, I knew nothing about biblical history or theology or, um, dogma or I I knew nothing about anything. And so I just started with the gospel of John and I read it and it just was eye opening. There were 
things in the Gospel of John that opened my eyes. And um, it was like reading truth for the very first time, hearing truth for the very first time. And like a sponge, like soaking up water. That's what my soul felt like, just soaking up God's word. You spoke about the power of invitation too. not only that, like invitation into relationship with Christ, you know, that you experienced at the Billy Graham crusade, but also like the dozens, maybe hundreds of invitations that led up to that moment from, from friends and and family who loved you and were looking out for you and wanting you to experience what they had in Christ. What can you share with us about? the power of invitation? Why would somebody um, step outside of themselves and maybe uh, risk uh, somebody thinking that they're a total weirdo or whatever by extending an invitation to a church activity or event or a spiritual conversation of some sort? Yeah. I mean, we all want to be welcomed. We all want to feel like, hey, somebody wants us there. And when we extend the invitation to somebody else, that's us saying, hey, I I want to know you more. I want to know about you. I want to share this part of my life with you. And I think that can open up areas of... um, deeper friendship and opportunities for both parties. Rachel, tell us about the concept of call. What does it mean to experience a calling? All right. I think experiencing a calling is when you feel God speaking in your life, in your heart, in a way that just brings you this supreme peace. Um, every direction that you look at this thing, uh, you just feel an overwhelming peace from God. And I usually equate that with a peace through prayer, a scripture, wise counsel in my life. And, um, you know, a, a scripture that pops out that really resonates with that, that, thing that I'm hearing that call in my life. Uh, The very first time I felt a call was actually when I was in college. I had one month left until I was done with my bachelor's degree. And I felt this tugging, this nudging, some might describe from the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And I knew that what I was going to school for was not what I should be doing. And that was a little bit terrifying. With one month left of your degree program. Yeah, that would be terrifying. Yes. So I called my mom. Like, what else would I do? Of course, I'm going to call my mom. And she was like, Rachel Marie, you better graduate. (laughs) Well, of course, I reassured her that, yes, I was planning on graduating, obviously, with one month left. Um, That's a super important thing, goal for me in my life uh, was to graduate college. I'm the first of my cousins and I believe the first of my aunts and uncles to even receive a bachelor's degree. So, yes, obviously reassured my mom getting the bachelor's degree. Uh, But 
I explained to her what this was, this feeling that I did not feel like I should be moving forward with um, my degree in communicative disorders, that I, I really felt drawn to what I was doing while working at summer camp uh, the previous summers. And she replied and said, you are filled with joy when you come home from camp. Go find yourself. And that was kind of like her blessing in her own unique way, Um, given that she's as far as I know, not a Christ follower. Um, it was her blessing to say, hey, go ahead, go explore this nudging that you're feeling. And so I did. Um, about a month after I graduated, I packed up my little car and moved to Michigan to pursue a career in camp ministry. I had a job lined up and it has been many years. Let's see how many years. It was 2004 when I moved to Michigan in January 2004. I'm so glad that you uh, answered God's call for you know the fact that, I mean, come on, if God lays something on your heart, do it. No matter how crazy it seems, if God is laying something on your heart, listener, um, do what God says. Compare it with scripture. Um, as Rachel has mentioned, pray about it, seek wise counsel, um, but ultimately do what God says. In this particular circumstance, I'm also really glad that Rachel um, pursued camp ministry in Michigan because that was how we met, not at the first camp that she came to serve at, but later on. Do you want to share a little bit about how we met or you want me to? Uh, you can start and then I can fill in the blanks. Translation, I can say something and then she can correct it. But <laughs> So I was at a point in my life that um, I had dated a few people, um, but was kind of over the whole dating scene and was definitely not looking to date anyone new. In fact, I was gearing up to leave the country for six months to go on mission in the Middle East. I had been serving as a youth worker at a local church and was getting ready to pass the baton to the next incoming youth worker who was going to take my place. And as kind of a passing of the baton uh, retreat weekend of fun, we went to Judson Collins Center, which was a United Methodist camp. And that was where I met Rachel. So I was an outgoing youth worker gearing up to leave the country for six months, not looking for any sort of relationship or connection at all. And lo and behold, Rachel was on staff at the camp that we went to that weekend. I was the program director at the camp at the time and made the arrangements and definitely was not searching. I too had come to a point in my life where I was just content with singleness, um, was completely okay with uh, just doing camp life. I pictured myself growing old, working at camp and um, here comes Zach scaring the poop out of me uh, on the front porch. I, I ran up and, and, and jumped on the little deck 
porch area. Um, just, you know, excited to be at camp, excited to be having a fun experience with our students. And Rachel was actually opening the door at the time. She was like right there. And I literally like jumped into her face. Yes. So definitely kind of a sweep me off my feet kind of a situation. Um, And we have been scaring each other and startling each other uh, for fun ever since. (laughs) We do. That's something that we do. So we have four kids and we uh, hide around the house and jump out at each other all the time just for fun. It's super, uh, probably our children will uh, have a lot to tell their therapists about. And that will be (laughs) one of those things. I mean, just before coming here for the interview, our middleest son startled me right around the corner, just like, wow, right in my face. He had a good one. (laughs) So we we kind of met, we hit it off, um, and then the weekend was over, and I realized, <laughs> man, I don't want to leave the country for six months without, you know, following up with this woman. She's unlike anyone I've ever met. And so um, I did. I reached out to Rachel via Facebook. Facebook was in its, like, fledgling state at that point. And uh, I waited and waited and, and waited. The funniest part is one of my best friends from high school, she had come over from uh, Minnesota and was visiting for the weekend. So she was at my house for like four days and Zach's waiting and waiting for a response. I hadn't even checked my Facebook. I didn't even know that he had sent me a message. You could say that I fell in love with Rachel in part because of her hospitality, her cooking, the way that she cared for those around her. And uh, Rachel, I remember you saying to me that you um, were really impacted by the way that I worshipped. Oh, yeah. I was about to walk in on one of the sessions that you were leading with the youth and you were just worshiping. You actually were on your knees, arms up, didn't even care what you looked like. And the kids were all around. I don't even remember what they were doing, obviously singing songs and and worshiping also. But I just remember you on your knees, worshiping God with your whole entire heart. I immediately ran back into the kitchen of the camp and actually hid in the pantry and just said, oh, Lord, you have to guard my heart because what is going on right now? But God did not guard Rachel's heart. (laughs) And uh, she did eventually respond to my Facebook message. And we got together for what wound up being almost a a full day long first date, um, which Rachel didn't even know it was a date. She wasn't quite sure if it was like a camp like youth worker, like collaboration thing or a date? (laughs) For sure. I definitely thought it was work until I saw you in your schnazzy cardigan. (laughs) Yes. You had quite the sweater on too, as I recall. So maybe neither of us were aware that it was a date as it turns out. We certainly did not dress like it. But uh, well, we were going to go skating and it was very cold. It is Michigan after all. But God had brought us together. Um, And, you know, fast forward. I mean, I think a part of our desire to get married, I mean, gosh, over 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, um, our married life together, so much of it has to do with doing ministry together. Um, even before we got married, the question was, can we do ministry better on our own or 
together. Yep. Um, recognizing that both of us had experienced, um, you know, various callings into um, vocational ministry of some sort, you know, whether that's camp or missions or pastoral ministry or whatever. A lot of that was still kind of amorphous at the time and continues to evolve through opening and closing doors. But um, we really felt that we could do ministry better together. We would be of more use to the kingdom of God as husband and wife than we would as two separate single individuals. Yep. Yeah. Even before meeting you or knowing you were a flicker, uh, my personal goal and mission was to and is to encourage, teach and build in the lives of others that they may hear the gospel more effectively. And when we met, um, I knew that our gifts and skills would allow us to do ministry better together. And that definitely was a a long conversation, several conversations that we had um, while we dated, while you were out of the country, and even while we were in our very brief engagement. Um, and it's a conversation that we continue to have very frequently that our gifts and skills continue to complement one another in the ministry that we do. That concludes this episode of Church Folks. Rachel and I will meet you here again next week as we wrap up our interview together and share about how God calls and equips each of us for mission in the world. In the meantime, you can find out more about Birmingham and Berkeley First on our websites, fumcbirmingham.org and berkeleyfirst.org. Remember that you too are called. You too are invited into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Take time this week to be a part of beloved community, grow in your faith, and share your stories. Peace.